Welcome to History's Top 10, where we share History's Top 10 Most Interesting Facts, hosted by me, Madeline Moore, as well as Caroline Craig. Hi, y'all. And Andrew Messier. What's up, guys? And today we will be discussing, in our opinion, History's Top 10 Most Interesting Taxes. And coming in at number 10 to start us off, the Alabama playing card tax. Want to ever build your own house of cards? Well, Alabama may not be the place to go. Since 1935, Alabama has levied a 10 cents tax on decks of playing cards. Section 4012.144 of the Alabama Tax Code reads, which sells or stores or uses packages of playing cards containing not more than 54 cards to the deck or package shall pay to the state of Alabama for state purposes only a license or privilege tax of 10 cents per package or deck. Such tax to be evidenced by revenue stamps and the stamps in all cases to be affixed to the individual package. This tax law just encompasses card games less than 54 cards. So for all you UNO players out there, all 108 cards per deck are safe untaxed. The total revenue for this tax the past five years has amount, amounted to around only $100,000 total, not mentioning the hefty $2 annual license fee each retailer must pay to sell playing cards in Alabama. Should Alabama legislators really fold this hand? That is a great question that we might not ever have the answer to, but obviously people in Alabama are very serious about their card games. Who would have thought? I didn't know that. I really liked your fold this hand comment. Okay. Coming in at number nine is the Texas belt buckle tax. They do say everything is bigger in Texas, right? Well, I guess the same goes for the belt buckle tax in Texas. Since 1999, Texas has instituted a sales tax back to school holidays on, on apparel where clothing has become tax-free. Unfortunately for the average cowboy, belt buckles are not considered clothing but rather accessories treated like pieces of jewelry, therefore making them subject to a 6.25% sales tax. Too bad the rest of the gear to be a true Texan cowboy belt boots, and hat are not subject to these extra taxes. That is so interesting that Texas, where I think that's like where belt buckles are like most popular out of like maybe Texas, Alabama, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, I don't know, that they would like have a specific tax on that. Not going to Texas anytime soon. I'm gonna pay my playing card tax in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick with that too. That brings us to number eight, whiskey tax. February 1989, the government of Japan informed the contracting parties that the advularium tax and the grading system had been abolished, resulting in a single rate for all grades of whiskey and brandies, and that the existing differences in taxation of whiskey and brandies and sochu had been considerably reduced by decreasing the specific tax rate for whiskey and brandies and raising that on soju. So essentially there are specific taxes on different kinds of alcohol there like in a, a lot of places all over the world. On May 1st, 1994, the liquor tax law was further amended to raise tax rates on soju and on spirits, while tax rates on whiskey remained unchanged. This is the whiskey tax. The three complaining parties, namely the community, 
Canada and the United States submitted the following claims against Japan. The community doesn't like that the differences in the taxes goes against laws on directly competitive and substitutable products. Canada made a claim against the law for the same reason and have had a problem with it for trade purposes. The United States made a claim against the law because the tax was inconsistent and had a problem with it for trade reasons. Japan's response was the law is not inconsistent and does not violate previous laws. They said that whiskey is in its own category and has individual tax difference for that reason. Coming in at number seven is the tax on candles. In 1709, England introduced a tax on candles that forbade people from making them unless they obtained a license and then paid taxes on the candles they produced. I mean, that's kind of messed up by the government to make you pay to get a license and then pay taxes on the candles you make. To combat this tax, though, citizens stopped buying and making their own candles. They started using rush lighting, a type of candle or a mini torch formed by soaking the rush plant in a fat or grease. This method couldn't last long as candles though, so it wasn't really that effective. Once the candle tax was appealed in 1831, it created a high demand for candles until the light bulb was made. Thus, now after that, they started using candles as decoration instead. So. That's really interesting. I mean, I guess it would have kept mattering a lot more unless, like, if not for the light bulb. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness for Thomas Edison. And now at number six, the hat and the head tax. The hat tax or the hat duty was a tax levied by the British government from 1784 to 1811 on men's hats. The tax was designed to be a simple way of raising revenue for the government in rough accordance with each person's relative wealth. It was supposed to be that the rich would have a large number of expensive hats, whereas the poor might have only one cheap hat or even none at all. The hat tax requires hat retailers to buy a license and display the sign, dealer in hats by retail. The cost of the retail license was two pounds for London and five shillings elsewhere. Each man's hat was required to have a revenue stamp or an adhesive label used to designate taxes collected pasted inside on each hat's lining. Like today, the tax varied depending on the price. For less expensive flat hats, a 6% tax was paid. For more luxurious top hats, the rate went as high as 14%. Anyone who failed to pay that tax was hit with heavy fines, which is expected. Anyone caught forging the stamps, though, was sentenced to a death penalty, which is definitely a bit extreme. Could you imagine going to, like, die because you forged a stamp? Or didn't have a stamp. Imagine being so rebellious that you forge a stamp for a hat. Mm, true. Couldn't be me. Yeah. So next one's a long one. Um, number five, illegal drug tax. As state budgets across the country bend to breaking point under the weight of a stagnant economy, officials in some places, particularly in California, have debated legalizing and taxing illegal drugs. This makes sense to me because if drugs are going to be sold, whether or not the majority want them to be used, then the country as a whole can benefit from the tax like any other source of income. No such talk has been seriously floated in Alabama where drug laws continue to be some of the harshest in the nation. 
but people might be surprised to know that Alabama has been taxing the sale of illegal drugs for years. The IRS doesn't really care how you are getting the money as long as you are paying tax on your income. There are several examples of this happening in the area of drugs and other shady business deals. It is one of the 20 states that issue some form of tax stamp on the sale of illegal drugs, according to the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. The stamps created in Alabama in 1988 function as an excise tax, similar to the levies imposed on cigarette sales. Hot take, but this is smart. The dealers don't come clean and the government still gets the money. The cost of the stamp usually varies based on weight. A stamp for a gram of marijuana is 350. For a gram of controlled substance such as cocaine, it's $200. Not surprisingly, drug dealers never warm to the idea of buying excise stamps for their wares, which remained illegal. This makes sense. It would be hard to trust that you wouldn't get caught for what you're doing. And we don't care who you are or what you're, you're going to use them for, said the county judge. All we need is a cashier's check and a place to send the stamps. This was not good enough assurance for the dealers, though, because the judges also said that they bring in so little money from the statute that they aren't continuing it anymore. Could you imagine like, you like get caught? for selling drugs and then on top of that penalty they place like oh you've also like done tax you're evasion, also being hunted you know? down by the irs <laughs> oh. crazy Jeez, that's tough imagine trying tough to be like a law-abiding citizen in one way but <laughs> not not in your whole business model all right now at number four we have the chinese pro-smoking tax when people buy cigarettes, most people think of that as a sin tax, as higher taxes are usually paid on cigarettes as an incentive to quit. However, in 2009, China was in a disastrous economic trouble. The world was in a global recession in 2009 that was caused by the U.S. recession from 2007 to early 2009. China needed some financial stimulation. So they assembled a massive stimulus package of 4 trillion yuan to invest in better infrastructure and social welfare. But obviously the Chinese were desperate to bring in as much money into their economy to avoid the negative effects of the depression. The tobacco industry and local cigarette makers were two of China's biggest industries at the time in keeping their economy together. Because of this, the Chinese Hubei Providence created a pro-smoking tax that gave locals quotas or buying requirements for cigarette pack sales. If they did not meet the quotas, the locals were required to pay fines. These fines consisted of varying categories that varied depending on how badly each citizen missed the cigarette pack buying quota. With more people buying cigarettes in the Hubei province, the taxes on cigarette sales brought in more revenue than ever for the Chinese government. The World Health Organization estimates that to this day, China still smokes one out of every three cigarettes in the entire world. That is wild. Imagine a whole country backing your nicotine addiction. <laughs> you literally get paid to smoke. <laughs> oh, that's pretty insane. 
Getting so close to the end of the countdown, it's number three, the salt tax. Gabelle, form of tax in France before the revolution of 1789, in particular from the 15th century onward, this tax on salt. Salt a long time ago did used to be priceless, but now everyone has it on their kitchen table. In the 14th century, the gabelle den denoted any tax on the sale of consumer goods. An ordinance of 1316 made it a permanent tax. In the 15th century, the gabelle began to mean specifically the salt tax, that is a tax on consumption of salt. The nobility, the clergy, and a certain and certain other privileged persons were exempted. It is interesting how it became so specific to salt only and that the nobility would be exempt from this. They are the ones who can afford the tax, but they are pushing it onto the common people. They also probably had an influence on who got taxed on what and the mindset that they don't deserve the same taxes on the same consumptions is outstanding. The high rate and unequal distribution distribution of the gabelle provoked widespread contraband dealing in salt by smugglers. The gabelle's unpopularity was forcefully expressed in the lists of grievances drawn up for the Estates General in 1789 on the eve of the revolution. The gabelle was abolished in March 1790. History proves that tax usually is the last tipping point for people to riot against the government and revolt. We see it a lot in history where unfair tax leads to uprising. Hashtag the tea tax. <laughs> Hashtag the French are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and at number two, we have a true gas tax. Now, this tax isn't the typical gas you're probably thinking of, but just this past year, the New Zealand government proposed a tax that could see dairy farmers lose up to 5% of their total profit and output. The tax would start in 2025 and would be placed actually on cows and other livestock that produce methane gas emissions through their belching and manure. While this tax is just a proposal, if it became enacted by the New Zealand government, it would reduce New Zealand's emissions by 50% and would allow them to become the world's leader in reducing emissions, giving them a competitive advantage and enhancing their export brand. Funds that are collected by the tax will be funneled into the farming industry to pay for research and new technology that, re that would reduce farm greenhouse gas emissions. Who would have thought that livestock going to the bathroom, passing gas, and belching would cost the farmers a pretty penny? I just can't believe it reduces their emissions by 50%. Yeah, when I saw gas tax, that's really not where I thought we were going to go with that. But I can't believe 50%. Like, that could do a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Okay, so coming in at number one is the brick tax. Um, the brick tax of 1784, or as I like to call it, another brick in the wall tax, was introduced during King George III to help fund the American Revolution. They were taxed at two shillings and three pences per thousand bricks. To combat this tax, brick manufacturers started making bigger bricks so they wouldn't have to pay as much tax. As the years went on, Great Britain restricted the brick sizes and upped the tax 
This tax led to many smaller brick manufacturers going out of business and many builders went back to using timber and weatherboarding on buildings. They abolished this tax in 1850 because it was hindering industrial development. After removing the tax, the build, there was a building boom with, with better brick making and laying techniques. This tax really led to something cool though. Um, you can actually date buildings in Great Britain based on their brick sizes. I really like that because you can tell like in a lot of, you know, American cities that are older, which which ones are like original to the town or which ones get newer over time and it's crazy how in great britain it's like the brick size that even makes a difference yeah. very true maddie shout out great britain for getting our number one thanks for tuning in to this episode of history's top 10 most interesting taxes tax season doesn't have to be the least wonderful time of year i didn't think it was that boring me either thanks guys peace out girl scout